Yo, what is going on, everyone? My name is Nick, or The Notorious Fantasy, and in today's video, we're going in-depth into my week number 10 wide receiver start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. Inside of today's video, we're going in-depth through every single matchup from the riveting Thursday night football matchup all the way up until Monday night football and talk about whether I would start or sit the wide receivers in every single game. But before we get on into things, I would like to ask that if you guys are new to the channel and you do end up enjoying today's video that you please make sure to hit that subscribe button down below and while you're down there whether you are new to the channel or not please make sure they do leave a like on today's video it would help me out a ton if you want to follow me on twitter or x please do so at notorious fntsy and if you would like access to my weekly rankings that will be uploaded prior to Thursday, as well as getting an answer to any of the questions you guys may have. Make sure to check out the Patreon link in the video description for $7.50 a month. I love you guys all so much. Hope you enjoyed today's video. So without further ado, let's get into my week number 10 wide receiver start or sit decisions for the 2023 fantasy football season. We begin with Thursday Night Football, a riveting matchup between the Carolina Panthers and the Chicago Bears in Chicago. Now, when it comes to the Panthers wide receiver room, I think things are very crystal clear at this point in the season in Week 10. Now, I know Adam Thielen did have his first down game last week since Week 1. I mean, outside of Week 1 and last week, this man was just bending defenses over week in and week out, seeing so many targets last week against the Colts again was a bit of a doozy and to be honest with you I was kind of shocked that it happened up against the Colts defense but to me there is absolutely no reason to worry about Adam Thielen he is currently the wide receiver eight on the season in PPR and has a very easy bounce back spot this week against the Bears defense I get that Bryce Young looked downright terrible last week but I think even if Bryce Young doesn't bounce back and have a huge performance Adam Thielen should be just fine and again the matchup is ripe for the taking here I think Adam Thielen does have a very solid game here should definitely be a top 10 wide receiver for the other Panthers wide receivers to me with the woes of this offense of the Carolina Panthers and with the woes of Bryce Young him being kind of up and down all year long I would go nowhere near Jonathan Mingo or DJ Chark. I think Jonathan Mingo is a talented player, but at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, you're not going to want to start him. DJ Chark, do 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 baby. Chark scored last week against the Colts. Congrats, hallelujah. But with the amount of volume that he gets being very little, there is no way you're starting DJ Chark. For the Bears, wiki wiki, DJ Moore is going to be a start for me. Now, the quarterback situation in Chicago is kind of still unknown for Thursday Night Football. Football fields might play he may not either way I'm still gonna lean with DJ Moore but I will fully acknowledge that if Bajan starts the ceiling is a lot lower and the floor is also a lot lower right because you know when Fields was in there and the offense was kind of stagnant the offense was kind of shit in the bed DJ Moore was still fine right even in his bad games, he wasn't that bad. But recently, he's fallen out of the top 50 wide receivers in two straight weeks. But for me, the problem with DJ Moore is he's too good to be a sit. Even if Bajit doesn't play that great, I think up against the Panthers defense, DJ Moore should be just fine. But for 
DJ Moore's clear upside for that huge game out of him. We need Justin Fields to start. For the other Bears wide receivers, we got Darnell. Here comes the Mooney. Mooney looked solid last week with five receptions on six targets for over 80 yards. But with that set, a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. And unless we start seeing more usage out of Darnell, Mooney, and kind of repeated success... In this offense, he belongs on the bench. Tyler Scott's technically the wide receiver three on the team, but I don't think I really need to say anything about Tyler Scott. He is a clear sit. If you're in like a 24-team league, Tyler Scott's probably still on the waiver wire. Next up, we move to Germany. Guten Tag, the Indianapolis Colts at the New England Patriots. Now, I think the Colts wide receiver core is very easy to analyze for this game. Michael Pittman Jr. has been real solid over the last four weeks. Now, this may end up being a weird game as a whole for both the Patriots and the Colts because the game is taking place in Germany. Normally, Germany, England, these overseas games, eat these teams up and whoops, spit them out, right? It is normally a very weird product when the game is not played on U.S. soil. With that said, though... Look, I get it does kind of worry me. At this point in the season, though, Michael Pittman Jr. is a clear start. He has had eight or more targets in four of the last five games. So at the end of the day, the volume's very clear, and Josh Downs is probably not going to end up playing, meaning we are going to see even more targets for Michael Pittman Jr. Josh Downs was ruled out with a knee for much of that Week 9 game. Even if he does come back, though, now again, I'm as much of a doctor as Johnny Sins, right? So I'm not some official doctor here. I'm not Dr. Notorious Fantasy. It's just Notorious Fantasy. But... I think that even if he does return, there's a chance that, you know, he re-aggravates that bastard, and then he ends up missing a lot of the game. So to me, I think it's pretty obvious you need to bench him this week until he returns back to form. Alec Pierce should be the wide receiver, too, with Downs missing. With that said, I just haven't seen enough out of Alec Pierce at all to even remotely trust him. For the Patriots, DeMario Douglas, his brother, DeLuigi Douglas, Mario Douglas, six or more targets in three straight games. Good matchup up against the Colts with Kendrick Bourne. He is the wide receiver one on the team, in my opinion, in terms of progress. The problem is there is a big weight being thrown onto Demario Douglas, and that is the weight of Mac Jones' skill set just sinking the metaphorical battleship of Demario Douglas. Demario Douglas is trying to sail the ocean blue, after taking a bunch of forks and knives thrown into a cannon shot like it's the fucking Pirates of the Caribbean, right? So, while I like DeMario Douglas, Mac Jones makes him a less, you know, kind of a sexy start, right? Now, I don't really see DeMario Douglas being a huge bust here, a colossal bust, like Peyton Manning's fucking Hall of Fame bust, you know, with that huge-ass forehead, but at the end of the day, his ceiling's definitely limited by Mac Jones. The other Patriots, we got TikTok boy Juju Smith-Schuster, Corvette Corvette. He did have a decent game last week. But again, with Douglas being the guy, stay away from Juju. Jalen Rager, there's just no way anyone in their right mind is even considering starting Rager. So he is an obvious sit. Moving now to the beginning of the real Sunday slate, 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. The Houston Texans at the Cincinnati Bengals, a potential barn burn of 
a matchup. Now, when it comes to the Bengals, Jamar Chase, despite the solid win up against the Buffalo Bills on Sunday night football, Chase was only the wide receiver 41 on the week. The Bengals, though, are on fire, so don't try to overthink things, right? Sometimes in fantasy, we try to overplay what happened last week. What happened last week is not guaranteed to repeat the next week, right? I get not the best game out of him, but just push that out of your mind, right? Like that men in black thing where they put the the pen looking thing up to the screen and it wipes your memory. Forget about it. Don't think about Jamar Chase's last game. He will be ranked in the top five of my wide receiver rankings this week. Again, if the Texans are able to play as well as they did last week, I get the Bengals defense is no pushover. I think this could be a higher scoring, very fun affair. Teehee Higgins. Higgins had a big game last week during Chase's down spot as a top 10 wide receiver with eight receptions and 110 yards. Again, this game has shootout written all over it potentially, and that could lead to both Jamar Chase and T. Higgins forming a metaphorical Eiffel Tower over the Houston Texans defense. Tyler, yeah, Boyd is going to be a sit for me, and to me, it's nothing against Boyd. Boyd's a good receiver. He's got one of my favorite nicknames, but when Chase and Higgins are healthy, there is just seemingly not enough targets to go around to really want to start Boyd with any ounce of real confidence. For the Texans, Nico Cousins, let's go bowling. Nico Collins for the Texans is a start. Solid showing for Nico last week with three receptions on five targets for 54 yards and a touchdown. Going against the Bengals, the matchup isn't fantastic, but again, I really do feel like this game does have higher scoring potential. I talked about this last week, but Collins is very much either scorching fucking hot or straight up limp dick in the need of a Viagra or a Cialis, right? With the upside here, though, he is clearly a start-worthy option. Now, we just kind of sung the praises ah, of Nico Collins. The man who gets the Gawk Gawk 9000 special here is Tank Dell, the computer man. Dell went nuclear last week with 30 fantasy points with six receptions on 11 targets for over 110 yards and two tugs. Man was putting up Deshaun Watson numbers in Houston. Just like Collins, he is incredibly volatile. But again, I'm firing him up here due to the upside. He's not going to be ranked super high. Neither is Nico Collins. But these are both firework-esque players you can throw into your lineup. Noah Brown, just like Dell. Brown went insane in the membrane up against the Bucks with six receptions for 150 yards and a touchdown. As the wide receiver three, though, on the team, I highly doubt he's going to be able to do that again. Next up, we move to the New Orleans Saints at the cold-like Minnesota Vikings. Now, I don't think this will be Justin Jefferson's return game, so we're going to operate as if Justin Jefferson, Jay Jettas, will not be back. Jordan Addison Ray, decent enough matchup this week for Addison. If Dobbs is able to just play somewhat decent, you know, Dobbs was on fire last week. I mean, just out of his mind. Some insane level play for a guy that just showed up to the team fucking 72 hours ago. And again, if Dobbs is able to play just somewhat decent, I think Jordan Addison Ray should be able to crack the top 24. Now, wasn't the best game last week, but I do really believe that Dobbs is the answer here. Like his name was Alvin Alvin Iverson, like Alvin and the Chipmunks, Alan Iverson. So, you know, I think, think Addison is really going to be good with Dobbs because with Jaron Hall, I mean, it probably would have been 
a very sad tale to tell next year of the Jordan Addison experience. Things started going so well. Then Kirk Thuggins, Kirk O'Chains gets hurt. And if Jaron Hall was the starter for the rest of the year, then Jordan Addison was going to kerplunk off the edge of the earth. But now with Joshua Dobbs, I like Jordan Addison Ray. For the other Vikings wide receivers, we got KJ Osborne and Brandon Powell. I think in better matchups, Osborne will be a start with Dobbs under center. But again, this matchup doesn't just scream to the mountaintops that you need to start KJ Osborne. Brandon Powell played decent last week, but that was due to a touchdown with only around three targets weekly. You can't be starting a guy like that. For the New Orleans Saints and Derek Carr, we got Chris Olave. Now, the Vikings defense continues to make strides and look better as the season has went along. Brian Flores has really whipped those boys into shape. And even with Derek Carr not have fully earned my trust, if I'm being honest with you, through nine games of the season, I have been someone that has been a detractor of Derek Carr, but recently he started to percolate and look a little bit better. You still, to me, can't resist ranking Olave inside the top 12 because of how good of a player this man was coming out of college and how much he has shown flashes of at the National Football League level. He was the wide receiver 10 last week, and I expect something similar up against the Colts like Minnesota Vikings due to how much volume he has seen. He has had eight or more targets in four straight weeks. So while the targets might not be the best coming from Derek Carr, at least the volume's there. Rashid Shahid Amshathid is a classic case of a player that will get four receptions for 130 yards and a touchdown every once in a while. But in this matchup, I would sit him due to my personal belief that the upside is a little bit more limited. Michael Thomas slant man has had his first awful performance last week against the Bears, which is shocking because if you ever thought Michael Thomas would kind of be iced out of targets, you would think it would be up against a much better defense. He only had one target in that game. His season low prior to that was six targets so going from you know previous low of six to one was like a real slap in the face for Michael Thomas but with how good Kamara Hill and Olave has been it really just seems like you gotta sit Michael Thomas next up we got the Green Bay Packers at the Pittsburgh Steelers if you guys have enjoyed thus far make sure you hit that subscribe button down below if you're new we have hit 30,000 subscribers I greatly appreciate every single one of you you guys mean the world to me and if you are new to the channel or not, make sure you guys leave a like on today's video. It would really help me out a ton. Now, for the Packers, the situation at receiver is very clear here. And it's not clear in a positive way. It's in a semi, not just a semi-down way. This is a very down-in-the-dumps way of talking about things. And it's just a clear situation to be. Christian Watson just hasn't been involved enough at all. A huge swing and a miss for me as I was a very big Christian Watson Truther, I don't even necessarily think it's because Jordan Love has been so shit. It's just the targets really haven't been there. The volume hasn't been very consistent. And I would like to see more targets thrown his way. But as of right now, Watson's a guy that a lot of people might even consider dropping at this point in the season. And plus, even if you wanted to talk yourself into maybe this will be Watson's coming out party here, it's against the Steelers. And again, while the Steelers' defense hasn't been the best at times this season, I'd like to think they're probably going to be all over Jordan Love's ass pause this game, so I really think Watson's going to struggle. Romeo Dobbs against the Steelers, even with Dobbs looking good, he's a clear sit, and the same thing about Dobbs could be said about Jaden Reed. He's looked really solid recently, but against the Steelers, it's just a no-go for me. You gotta sit him. 
For the Steelers, Deontay Johnson has been great ever since returning from injury, and I like this spot a ton up against the Packers' defense. He finally scored a touchdown against the Titans last week on Thursday Night Football for the first time since the Big Ben Roethlisberger era. It is officially Deontay Johnson must-start season. This Packers' defense looks like they're going to be able to be exposed here, and again, Kenny Pickett isn't great at all, but I think with Matt Canada or Canada being back on the sideline, that has kind of given at least somewhat of a jolt to this offense, you know, revived him from the deep depths, Christopher Moltisante style. So I like Deontay Johnson here up against the Packers. Now, Pickens is a fringe start, right? He's a guy just barely looking over the fence, like that guy in the Tim Allen show, right? Just barely over the fence. Now, you could easily argue against Pickens, right? He's cooled off recently, but we all recognize the crazy upside that George Pickens possesses. Now, he scored less than 10 points in Michael Jordan back-to-back 96-97 weeks, and it is possible that he replicates that three-peat shout-out Kobe and Shaq, right? But again, the upside is so high that it kind of pushes him into the fringe start category. Allen Robinson with Deontay Johnson back, A-Rob should be on your waiver wire. Next up, we move to game number six, the Tennessee Titans at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We have seen Will Levis named the starting quarterback on this team. And with Ryan Tannehill's contract, I believe, ending at the end of the season, we've officially entered Mayo Man Will Levis, you know, the run. Will it be Will Levis' team for the next four or five years? Maybe, maybe not, but it's officially the Will Levis era in Tennessee. But before we could break down this game, as well as the rest of the week number 10 slate at the wide receiver position, I would like to ask that if you guys are new to the channel, again, hit that subscribe button down below, whether you are new to the channel or not, make sure you guys leave a like on today's video. And I would also like to give you guys a quick word for our friends and our sponsor over at Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is the best place to play NFL Pick'em in the whole entire universe, and today they have a great offer for you guys, but first I want to explain how the Pick'em game works. Now, this is being recorded on Tuesday morning, so there aren't as many choices right now as we get deeper and deeper into the week. There are going to be more picks for you guys to choose from. So right now, looking at the Carolina at the Chicago Bears Thursday night football matchup, we are going to go with Chuba Hubbard higher than 45 and a half rushing yards, and we're going to have to match that with at least one more pick from a different team. Now, right now, there's only one pick out for the Chicago Bears, so we're going to scroll all the way until some of the Sunday games, and we are going to go with higher than 246 and a half passing yards. I think CJ Stroud is going to have a solid game yet again up against the Bengals. If both of these picks hit, we will receive three times our entry fee. So if you put in a thousand, you'll get out 3,000. Obviously, you don't have to put in that much. You can put in as little as or as much as you choose up to the maximum for me is $1,000. Now, if you want to do three picks, it's six times your entry fee. Four picks is 10 times and Five picks that they all hit is 20 times your entry fee. Now, if you live in one of the states listed on your screen right now and are new to Underdog and use promo code NOTORIOUS or click on the link in the video description, you'll receive a first match deposit bonus of up to $500. If you deposit $500, they give you an additional $500. If you do $100, it's additional $100. $50, additional $50. $25, additional $25. The minimum deposit on Underdog is $10. If you have a gambling problem, please make sure that you call 1-800-GAMBLER.
Back on into things here. Titans at Bucks. Bucks just got into a real tit-for-tat high-scored affair with the Texans that they lost because Daria Agumbawale is a legendary kicker. And the Titans just took a bit of a stinker up against the Steelers. But again, the Steelers' defense has been pretty solid all season. So it's not really that crazy that a rookie quarterback in his second ever start with a pretty subpar offensive kind of you know, staff around him. Not that surprising that Will Levis didn't play that great. So this could be a bounce-back spot for him. DeAndre Hopkins facing a tougher Pittsburgh Steelers defense. We saw D-Hop and the passing attack of the Lions just come back down to earth. And again, it really wasn't that surprising to see. D-Hop still had 11 targets, though, and I think that Levis is going to continue to maintain his starting role in this offense. D-Hop has entered high-end wide receiver two range, meaning like wide receiver 14, 15, 16 is very much in the cards here going forward. And I definitely think that he has weak winning upside if he's able to get like eight or more targets up against a Bucks defense that really hasn't been all that great. Now, even if Will Levis comes out there surgical with the gloves on like his name was OJ Simpson, I don't really think that is going to translate to Nick Westbrook, Ekaine, or Kyle Phillips having a huge game. Now, Burks being out will elevate Westbrook, Ekaine into the wide receiver two role, and we've seen Westbrook, Ekaine have solid games in the past, and it wouldn't really shock me if he was somewhat decent with Levis under center, but again, somewhat decent is probably like wide receiver 38. I don't really think he's going to crack the top 24. And again, I just am nowhere near close to starting him. I'm fucking social distancing away from Nick Westbrook, Ekaine. Kyle Phillips definitely would not start him despite him looking solid last week again. I'm not trying to overthink things here. Not trying to schlob all over Levis's knob, right? He looks way better. The matchup's fine. But again, Hopkins is the only guy that you should be starting on this Titans passing attack. When it comes to the Buccaneers, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are both starts. Now, the Titans defense up against the pass is soft as baby shit. So I love, in all caps, this matchup up against the Titans. Mike Evans has been very reliable all season long, even with his last two games being a bit of a skid and not being his greatest hits. This feels like a great spot for him to get back onto the track. Chris Godwin last week against the Texans, Godwin was invisible like his name was Casper the fucking ghost, right? With that said, the four games prior, he was very reliable. And with this being a great matchup against the Titans, I feel some strong confidence in a bounce back performance for Chris Godwin, Trey Palmer. I like Trey Palmer, the player, right? We've seen some flashes, but with there being so many other players like, you know, Mike Evans or Chris Godwin, Rashad White, Kate Otten, getting all these targets, there's really no reason to even consider playing Trey Palmer. Next up, we move to game number seven, the San Francisco 49ers at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, both of these teams are coming off of a bye, so they're both will be very well rested here. Brandon Ayuk with Debo seemingly back. I still think I trust Ayuk slightly more. This is a decent matchup here. This isn't like you're going against the Bears or Raiders defense, right? This is the Colts, you know? This isn't like a shit-tier defense here. This isn't the Saxonville Jaguars, but this is a midi, midi? a middle-of-the-road defense. And even if Ayuk was to say he shits the bed here, it's not going to be like a true shitting the bed, right, where he's like the wide receiver 72, out to the 72 Dolphins, he's probably going to be like wide receiver 30. And that's 
that's fine. So again, while there's been some kind of trials and tribulations of this Niners offense, I mean, Brock Purdy, he started off the season, it's like, oh, Brock's back. Everyone who called Brock a fraud, this, that, and the other things were looking like a bunch of buffoons, like a fool with your pants on the ground and your hat turned sideways. But recently, you know, kind of tapered off. So, Ayuk coming out the bye, he's fine. You know, Debo has missed the last two games prior to the bye, but has stated that he's good to go, GTG, with the shoulder injury. With that said, Debo has been pretty consistent this year when healthy, and I know the 49ers offense kind of left a sour taste in many fantasy players' mouths. At the end of the day, you aren't sitting Debo fucking Samuel, so again, you probably never even really considered that. Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley are both starts. Now, Kirk and Ridley recently, aside from, you know, the game prior to the bye... Ridley's been sleeping with the fishes like his name was Luca Brazzi, right? Christian Kirk has been that really reliable hammer piece in your fantasy lineup for the Jaguars, and it hasn't even been really close. It's been by a very large margin. I think he keeps up this week coming out the bye against a semi-disheveled 49ers defense. Now, I think coming out the bye week, the 49ers defense would chase Young Moolah, baby. Now they're... Maybe they look a lot better. The front seven's good, but... Again, the secondary is a little bit suspect, right? They're not the best. So I definitely think that Christian Kirk could could have a decent game here. Again, he's like a, a wide receiver too, a low-end wide receiver too with some upside. Prior to the bye week, Ridley finally did something. Hallelujah. I was praying to the fantasy gods, and they answered my prayers. 20 targets for eight receptions. That's just not true at all. It's probably 10 targets, right? Fucking 20 targets. That'd be insane. 10 targets for eight receptions with 83 yards against the Steelers. I got to fire the guy that writes the stats down. That guy's me, obviously, against the Steelers. My opinion on Ridley is that right now he's a high-end wide receiver three. His upside is very high because we all know that Calvin Ridley is very, very good. But we've seen that Calvin Ridley gets put on ice like fucking Walt Disney's head, right? And we see that in some games like Isaiah Jones or some other fucking wide receiver you've never heard of ends up seeing more targets than Ridley, and it's like mind-boggling. So while I'm still starting Ridley again, it's not like he's like a very clear hammer start here, right? Like fucking Thor's hammer. He, he's more of like, a, hey, if you're in, a, in big, big trouble, you can play him. I got to play him on some of my teams. You know, there's teams on fucking bye. So... Ridley's in my lineup, but again, I'm not going to sit here and puff out my chest, you know, like Johnny Bravo and tell you you need to throw out Calvin Ridley. Zay Jones, we just mentioned him. He's a sit. Jones hasn't played since week five in London up against the Bills. If he does play, I think the upside's there, but again, I'm leaving him on the bench. Juwan Jennings just is not very involved in the Niners offense, so you're going to sit him. Next up, we move to a AFC North division rivalry matchup, the Cleveland Browns at the Baltimore Ravens. Now, both these teams have great defenses. Both these teams have, you know, the Ravens have a great offense. The Browns offense is pretty middle of the road, depending on if Deshaun Watson's feeling dangerous or if he feels like he needs a fucking massage in the locker room so he has to run away at halftime. Like, remember when... uh Lamar Jackson had to take a shit like his name was Paul Pierce and he was like grabbing his ass running into the locker room. I think that was during what season was that? Was that 2020 when it was like the, the fucked up season where there was no fans there? I don't remember but I hope you guys got the reference. I think that was a primetime game so probably all of you guys who are football fans but watching football for at least the last couple of years you would remember that because it was just not an iconic moment right? It wasn't like some crazy it's not like 
Russell Wilson throwing an interception to Malcolm Butler on the one-yard line. Right? It's not that iconic, but it was something that, you know, if I say it, you would remember, hopefully. Unless you had a bad memory, like my dad. My dad, talk about, you know, my dad is a viewer of the channel. He might even watch this video. He will be able to remember, like, some random thing that happened, like the 1980 Ravens fucking third-string running back is this guy, right? Or this play of a game from 1994, right? He'll remember that perfectly. But if you tell him, like, hey, what's, what's, a, what's Cooper's first name, right? My dad always fucks these dudes' names up. He'll be like, oh, that's A.J. Cooper. No, it's Amari Cooper, all right? I thought that was an interesting tidbit of information. Obviously, it has nothing to do with any of you guys. Half of you probably don't give a shit. You fucking fast-forwarded through that, but that's a, a story that is somewhat interesting. Cleveland Browns receiver... Amari Cooper with Watson returning. It appears that the upside is significantly higher for Cooper. I still don't like Cooper, though, and feel like he's... I still do like Cooper. Slack Cooper is the better way of putting things. But he just doesn't feel very safe due to the ups and downs of Deshaun Watson. Plus, this spot against the Ravens is uh, not the best. He was the wide receiver four last week and had a really good game. But it feels like due to the matchup, he should finish closer to wide receiver like 24-28 compared to the wide receiver four. Elijah Moore's a sit. I like Moore better now, better now. Like a Post Malone song, I'm wearing his fucking sweatshirt right now. With Watson, right? Things are feeling better. But until he sticks together, amalgamates a couple of solid games in a row, he should either be on your bench or on the waiver wire. Cedric Tillman with Donovan Peoples-Jones now gone. Tillman appears to be the wide receiver three. He has had four targets on the season. So you know what to do with them. Sit them down. Baltimore Ravens, Zay Flowers has had two stinker games in a row. You can smell him through the screen in his last two weeks with only one target last week in a dominating effort against the Seahawks. I mean, they had the Seahawks just, just circled. They, they finished him off, finish him, like Mortal Kombat style, and Zay Flowers was just watching from the side with the target. Not a great matchup against the Browns, making him a fringe start this week. But once, you know, the, the sun starts to shine, you know, the rainbow is out there with the pot of gold and the leprechaun dragging his balls against the grass going to find it, you know, once there's brighter pastures ahead, greener pastures ahead, Zay Flowers is going to be fine. So I'm not saying to panic mode on Zay Flowers, but hey, this matchup isn't the best, so he's not an ideal start. Odell Beckham Jr., wide receiver 12 last week. A round of applause for Odell. We finally saw Odell do something this season. But that's the only thing he's done this season. A broken clock is right twice a day. And that is the case with Odell's game last week. Rashad Master Bateman saw his highest amount of targets. Round of applause for him as well. With a grand total of five. $5 foot long. Even with that said, it didn't lead to much. So Bateman should be on the waiver wire. And if for some reason he's on your team, you're in a 42-team league, he's a sit. Next up, we got the Atlanta Falcons at the Arizona Cardinals. Some reason, it is Tuesday, 5.39 Eastern Standard Time p.m. right now as I'm recording today's video. You guys should be seeing it at around 7. Got the noties on. You're, you're the first one there. I appreciate you. I love you guys. Again, thank you guys so much for 30,000 subscribers. Falcons at Cardinals. I don't know how the fuck Arthur Smith still has a job. I, I don't get it. I am rooting for Kyler Murray to shove his little ass down the throat of the Falcons and just beat the fuck out of them so that the until they're black and blue so that the, the Falcons have to fire Arthur Smith. I don't know why they didn't fire him after losing to Joshua Dobbs who came off of fucking three days of being there. But he needs to be finished off. 
Someone needs to get him out of there. Grizzly Drake London. London missed last week against the Vikings with a, oh, my groin injury. Shout out to fantasy footballers. Don't think he's a lock to play this week either, though. But if he does play against the shitty cards defense, I would find it hard to at least not rank him in, like, the wide receiver 28 to 36 range, which is, like, fringe start. Fine. You know, has upside, obviously, against the Cardinals. But again, you're at the mercy of some shit quarterback playing Atlanta. Van Jefferson is a city. He's one of those guys that eventually, one of these weeks, he should have a decent game due to the amount of speed he has. He's like Lightning McQueen. But with that said, he's severely limited by the quarterback play, so that might not even actually happen this year. Matt Collins, three or less targets in three straight games, even against the Cardinals. It is clear that you need to bench him. For the Cardinals, Hollywood Brown. You know, with Clayton Looney Tunes last week, he didn't do shit. Obviously, Clayton Toon looked like he was just trying to throw the ball to the defense. He was terrible. But I don't think anyone really expected anything great out of him except for maybe some of the riled-up Cardinals fans, you know? Clayton Toon had Hollywood Brown looking like fucking Isaiah Hodgins this season. With Kyler back, I'm ready to fire up Hollywood Brown with much more confidence. Now, I will note, even against a pretty middle-of-the-road Falcons defense, I don't expect Kyler to come back and be, you know, rootin' tootin', running the rock, throwing the ball amazingly, right? I think there's gonna be a limited version of Kyler. Now, could it be Kyler at like 95% and could he go out there and absolutely slap up the Falcons defense? Yeah. But I just don't expect that enough this week. So again, Hollywood Brown is like a fringe start. You know, he's not like a super ideal start this week. Rondale Moore, I think Kyler's return could elevate one of Rondale or Michael Wilson to be a fringe start worthy option in certain matchups. But I want to see it before I really roll either of them out. And Wilson has outplayed more recently, so I think it's more likely that Wilson ends up having that oh, that holy rise to, to greatness compared to Rondale Moore with Kyler Murray back. Next up, we move to the Detroit Lions at the LA Chargers. A very interesting game. The Chargers offense was outside of Eckler, just not great last week against the Jets. Like, the Jets basically did everything they did to... To sabotage themselves from winning, and the Chargers basically just did nothing to lose it, right? They didn't fuck anything up, so they were going to win. Like, the Jets shot themselves in the foot. I tweeted that out, and I think Robert Sala saw that tweet and uh, said it in his press conference. Basically, that the team just fucked themselves, right? Auto fellatio. And that's what we saw, so... Amon Ross St. Brown for the Lions. Amon Ross has been one of the most reliable wide receivers in fantasy football, like wrapping a condom over your team. I know the Chargers defense just looked real good against the Jets, but that was Zach Wilson. I don't really expect that to happen up against the Jared Goffinator and the Detroit Lions. Fire up the Sun God with supreme confidence. This man has had over 100 yards in five of his last six games. Amon Ross St. Brown at this point needs to earn the flowers of anyone that was a detractor of Amon Ra, anyone that was nervous about him coming into this season. At this point, you just have to admit that you were wrong because the sun god, my guy, Amon Ra St. Brown, is very, very good. Josh Reynolds. Reynolds feels like the wide receiver too. So against the Chargers, the upside's there, though you... Are you really going to want to start Reynolds, who has gotten three or fewer targets in each of the last three games? The answer is... Fuck no, baby. Jameson Williams, this season appears to be a wash for JMO. After coming out the suspension, I like him out of player, but oh man, the targets have not been coming this man's way. They still also have Reynolds, who we previously mentioned, and they also brought in Donovan Peoples-Jones, so it feels like the uh, the coffin's kind of sealed on Jameson Williams' season. 
Keenan Allen. If you're a Keenan Allen owner, I'm a Keenan Allen guy, at least in best ball. Shout out Underdog Fantasy. I'm sure you're frustrated with, with Justin Herbert's play. I mean, like Herbert in the Cowboys game, missing wide open throws. Keenan Allen got a reception last night against the Jets where that if you just saw like the upper part of the screen, right? You don't see Keenan Allen's legs. You just see like the Allen nameplate and you see him reaching up. You would have thought, I swear to you, you would have thought there were six fucking defenders around him. You would have thought that this man was trying to make that DeAndre Hopkins catch from a couple years against the Bills against the uh, for the Cardinals, right? There was no one around, and this man is just sailing the ball over Keenan Allen's head. He made a highlight reel catch on a fucking routine play because Herbert's been kind of off. And again, I'm not here to shit on Herbert. I like to make fun of him, right, to a better, but at the end of the day... Justin Herbert isn't some schlub quarterback, so it's very frustrating to watch. Allen is a must-start, but again, it's getting very, very annoying, if I'm being honest with you. Quentin Johnston for the Chargers, he's a sit. I still think Johnston has the upside going forward. He's a first-round NFL draft pick. He's a good player, especially with Palmer and Mike Williams out. But I don't think we can ever truly justify trusting in starting him. Now, again, in good matchups, you can play him. But despite the strides he made in Week 8... Last night, the motherfucker only had three targets. So I just, I don't know how much of my heart I can give to Quentin Johnston for him just to give it away the very next day. Like that Christmas song. Darius Davis, with all the injuries to the wide receivers, punt return specialist Davis is now the wide receiver three. Maybe he'll get another punt return touchdown, but uh, he's an obvious sit against the Lions defense. Next up, we got the Giants at the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm going to keep this very short and simple, right? We don't need a CVS receipt of me yapping, yap, 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 like I'm at Yapplebee's here. We're just going to short and sweet here. CD Lamb has been on a war path over the last three weeks with three straight games inside the top 12 and back-to-back top two performances. Last week against the Eagles, the man had 16 targets for 11 receptions with 191 yards. If only Dak knew how to throw the ball into the end zone instead of on like the four, five-yard line, and maybe Lamb could have scored the game-winning touchdown. I la 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 love this spot against the Giants, where he could easily be a top-two receiver yet again this week. Now, we got the other Cowboys, Brandon Cooks and Michael Gallup. Brandon Cooks has had some good games this season, but it was mostly due to him luck-boxing into scoring a touchdown, with most weeks him having four or fewer targets. Even in a great matchup against the Giants, I can't justify that because a lot of the games we're seeing Gallup out-target him. Gallup is playing third fiddle, which I don't even know is actually a saying, but I just made it up. Maybe it is a saying. Behind Lamb and Cooks. He has only cracked the top 32 once. He's got stone fucking hands. Stay clear away. Wandale Robinson for the Giants had a good game last week, but with the quarterback situation being a unmitigated flaming pile of dog shit, a straight up disaster, I am not touching Robinson with a 10-foot pole. I'm social distancing away from Wandale Robinson and these Giants wide receivers. Darius Slayton, just like Robinson, Slayton had a good game last week, but again, the situation is so grim. So grim that you just can't do it. And the matchup's also tough, so don't even consider Slayton. Jalen Hyatt, I like the player. I think maybe maybe one day, Magic City on a Monday, this guy could be a baller. But the quarterback situation shit, the matchup shit, it's like a no-brainer. Next up, we got the Washington left hands up. Who are we? The Commanders at the Seattle Seahawks. Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson versus... Metcalf, Lockett, and JSN, a pretty solid receiver game. Now, McLaurin has been looking real good, mighty fine, over the last four games. He had five receptions for 73 yards last week. I get the Seahawks' defense is good, but we've seen the Seahawks' defense 
kind of like, you know, they're, it's like the way I wanted to describe things, this isn't going to come out right, but it's like when something's going fine in like a movie and someone just falls on like a fucking banana pill, banana pill, a banana peel or something, right? Like the Seahawks defense is good, but they just find ways to magically just everything gets fucked up randomly. So even if the Seahawks defense wakes up here, I still think McLaurin should be kind of close to being a top 20-ish guy in this spot. Especially with how good the commander's offense has looked and how Howell has played. Jahan Dotson has been a top 10 receiver in back-to-back -back weeks. Looking real good with one touchdown in both of those games. As well as eight or more targets in the last three games. Now again, I get the matchups a little bit spooky. It's no longer Halloween, but it's still a little spooky. But... When a guy is playing on fire, we talk about this all the time on the channel, the NBA Jam on fire philosophy that I follow. If a guy is on fire, back-to-back -to -back top 10 games, even if the matchup's a little bit suspect, you still got to put him in the start category. It's not like I'm going to go go crazy and rank him as like a top 10 guy, but you got to you gotta give the guy his flowers, his 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 credit when it, where it's due, and it's due right now through two games. Again, I was a big Dotson guy in the offseason. He sucked downright, sucking donkey cock for the first eight games of the season. Or maybe the first seven games of the season, right? He was bad. He was drop-worthy. Snip, snip, cut him off the team. But recently, he's had that come up, and he deserves it. He, he's a good player. Jameson Crowder? There is literally no way anyone even fathoms starting Crowder in the Lord's year of 2023. So you're sitting him down. For the Seahawks, we got Metcalf, Lockin, and JSN all as starts. Now, Metcalf has been very up and down all season. Great spot against the Commanders, though. So you got to start him. Lockett, even more up and down than Metcalf. But with the matchup, just like Metcalf, we start him. Now, JSN, evidently enough, has actually been the most reliable option on the team over the last three weeks. But even with that said, he's a fringe start because it's not like all three of them are going to go off at the same time. One of them is going to have a down game. Most likely two of them are going to have kind of down game. So once maybe Lockett's gone, we're going to feel a lot more comfortable with JSN. But this year, this kind of just seems like a three-headed receiver core. That it might be a three-headed receiver core of death. Next up, we move to, because you waited all day for Sunday night. But ain't no one in the right mind waited all day for Sunday night of the Jets at the Raiders. Viva Las Vegas. All right. So for the Raiders, I get that Adams has been metaphorically fisting your fantasy team. Though I'm not ready to jump ship yet due to the offense coming alive. Frankenstein style. I do not love the matchup against the Jumbo Jets, but Adams should be a lot better going forward. Jacoby Myers. I've been saying this for basically over a month at this point, but Jacoby is a safer weekly option compared to Adams, and they both have very similar upside. Last week, Myers scored a touchdown, making that the fourth touchdown he has scored in the last five games. Again, just like with Adams, the matchup here isn't great. And I'm not claiming for it to be, but I think this team has a lot more juice now. Smoking cigars in the locker room, fucking LSU 2019 style. And it seems like with the bad man, Josh McDaniels gone, his head rolling like his name was Ned Stark. We've seen a lot. I think this offense is going to be a lot better. Again, will they be able to really beat down haymakers, elbows from the, the full mounts? No, I don't think so against the Jets. But uh, should we see a solid offensive performance with Aiden O'Connell under center? Hunter Renfro. Maybe the firing of Josh McDaniels will give Renfro more looks. It seems like it did last week. But even if it does, it's it's against the Jets. So it's a sit. Garrett Wilson has been a target hog over the last three weeks with 12 or more targets in all of those games. Decent spot here against the Raiders. Even with Zach Wilson literally being so bad, 
Zach Wilson being so shit, like Garrett Wilson's still a guy that should finish anywhere from wide receiver 14 to 24, which makes him to me a pretty clear start on a majority of teams. But again, he is at the mercy of Zach Wilson just throwing the ball somewhat remotely near him. Al Lazard, this is another guy, classic bricks for hands. This dude is doing the Edward 40 hands, but he has it attached during the game. He forgot to drink it, so he's got to hold him on during the game. Against the Chargers, dude, it was honestly embarrassing. Even against the Raiders, mid or below mid defense, stay clear away from Lazard like he's got the cheese touch. Xavier Gibson, hard knocks legend Gibson, appears to be the wide receiver three on the team behind Wilson and Lazard. With that said, he'd be lucky to get three or more targets, and I'm not going to start someone. That's going to get three targets. That is as much upside as Gibson. Again, being held captive on Guantanamo Bay by Zach Wilson. The Denver Broncos at the Buffalo Bills. Another riveting fucking primetime matchup here. Now, for the Bills, Stefan Diggs is a start. Now, the Bills appear to be on fraud watch. Obviously, they should make the playoffs, but there's so many injuries to that defense that I don't think they're going to be able to make it very far in the playoffs. With that said, the Bills have been in a funk over the last five-ish weeks. In that funk, though, Diggs has continued to ball basically week in and week out. Last week, he had six receptions for 86 yards and a touchdown. Love the matchup against the Broncos. And obviously, even if the Bills are on frog watch, frog watch? Even if they're on fraud watch, they should be able to walk the Broncos' defense like a fucking corgi. Walk them like a dog. Gabe Davis. The Gabe Davis Express has had many bumps along the way, like the last time I was in Miami. But even despite the woes, I think I have to make Davis start-worthy due to the significant upside that this man possesses up against a garbage-tier defense with the Broncos. He isn't a must-start by any, any, anyone. No one's going to say he's must-start. But if you're searching for that upside, all aboard the Gabe Davis Express. Khalil Shakir, Shakira, Shakira has had two solid games in a row. But if Gabe Davis starts the ball out again, I think Shakir will be uh, back down in the basement. For the Broncos, Cortland Sutton to me feels like the wide receiver one on the team in terms of targets a majority of the weeks. I like this spot against a battered Bills defense. And I feel like Sutton is going to have yet another solid performance. People shit on Russell Wilson all the time, but this season he's been decent. Has he been the Russell Wilson from a couple of years ago in Seattle? Fuck no, baby. But he also hasn't been, you know, Zach Wilson. And decent is really all I think we need for Sutton to have a fine enough game to be start worthy. Jerry Judy is one of the most fascinating wide receivers in the NFL. There is so much promise in this man coming out of Alabama, coming out of college. But ever since entering the NFL in 2020, he has never been a top 24 receiver on a season. With me believing more in Sutton, and it appears the team does as well, Judy is best left on the bench. I, I don't think Judy's like a washed up receiver. I don't think he's like a bust by any means, but he definitely hasn't lived up to the great expectations that, that were put upon him. Marvin Jones, I say this every single fucking week, but I'm just tired of Mims not getting enough targets. Like when he gets a target, it's like, wow, hoorah. Like, he makes so many good things happen with the ball, but the team just doesn't use him. I, I don't really get it. It's like B. John Robinson. <laughs> so, just some clear rookie misuse. He, he's an obvious sit. So, thank you guys all so much for watching. Again, if you didn't enjoy, make sure you guys hit that subscribe button down below. 
down below. Down below, whether you are new to the channel or not, please make sure to leave a like on today's video. It helps me out a ton. If you want to follow me on Twitter or X, please do so at NotoriousFNTSY. If you'd like access to my weekly rankings, that should be posted either on Wednesday or Thursday morning. Make sure you check out the Patreon. I also answer every single question you guys may have. Link in the video description or in the pinned comment for $7.50 a month. Again, thank you guys all so much for 30,000 subscribers. I greatly appreciate you guys. None of this shit is possible without you, so it means everything to me. I love you guys all so much. Hope you have a great guys' day. And as always, good boy! Check out some of the videos on your screen if you haven't seen them already. Good boy!